Welcome to the 11th episode of the Squadron's Pirate Radio Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michaela Sani, along with General Manager Scott Kang. And joining us today is Vice Commodore of House and Grounds, Jeff Kurish. Jeff, welcome. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We're excited to have you, Jeff. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, so you're from Newfoundland. I knew there was something about you. I just couldn't quite put my <laughs> finger on it. Well, your accent is stronger than mine, so... <laughs> <laughs> So talk about talk about growing up in Newfoundland. I, I haven't had the pleasure. I want to go, but I haven't I haven't uh, been there yet. So just give us an insight. Well, you, you certainly have to make the trek at some point. It's 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 worth the trip. So yeah, I was born and raised in uh, in St. John's, Newfoundland. So um, um, I'm oblivious to tough weather to bad weather. <laughs> it's a, it was it's part of the part of the culture over there. It's a it's a rough and tumble kind of a place, but it was a great place to grow up. So. Um, I come from a a fairly large family of seven children. Uh, I am the sixth in that family, and I was the only boy. So I have six sisters. Goodness me, <laughs> Goodness me that's right. <laughs> so that certainly made for some uh, some interesting times growing up as a child, for sure. Sure. And sailing for you, Jeff, didn't come along until your 20s. Uh, no, um, like growing up, there was no, I had no um, association with sailing. I know lots of people that I talk to in the club, you know, have, have been sailing. Their families have been sailing for generations and they grew up, you know, starting with dinghies and worked their way up through. But um, there was nobody in my family who sailed and nobody that I knew sailed at the time. But um when I was in my 20s, I, I had the good fortune of having a, a friend who'd done quite well for himself in business at a, at a relatively early age. So uh, he bought a boat. He bought a, a C&C 38 and, uh, and invited us all to go out and, and race his boat. So uh, that was my start. So I started on a big boat and uh, um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was pretty lovely, I have to say. So that first experience uh, sailing on that CNC with your friends was that here in in Nova Scotia? No, it was it was still in Newfoundland. Um, so the we sailed the boat, we raced the boat out of the um, the Royal Newfoundland Yacht Club. Um, you know, it was a group of friends who who had very little experience between us, but we sure had a lot of fun. And and sailing in Newfoundland is is kind of rough and tumble. There's there's always lots of wind and the weather is often not great. Um, but from the first time I went on the boat, I was I was just so taken by it. Um, it was it was the best thing I had ever done in my life. So I was I was in hook, line, and sinker. I um, I loved it, and I I couldn't wait to get back and. And, and every opportunity I had to go sailing, I, I jumped at it. So, uh, you know, we, we, we did some cruising, but mostly we raced the boat, uh, which was a, a, just a ton of fun. Um, and we did that for, for several years on the CNC 38. And then um, uh, the gentleman I was sailing with, he sold the boat and bought a brand new CS 36 which we continued to race and, and, and did probably a little bit more cruising with, but um, yeah, all in all, it was, it was a, it was a ball of fun from day one and I loved it. And the infamous St. John's <laughs> day race. Why is it, why is it infamous, John? So the, yeah, the, 
the St. John's Day race um, was a was a was a race. Well, essentially, the Royal Newfoundland Yacht Club uh, to sail from there to St. John's is about a about an eight or a ten hour sail because you have to go out around the coast. So the way the race worked was on Saturday, uh, all the boats from the yacht club would sail around to St. John's and we'd all raft up together in the harbor. And the, 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 the place we would raft up, you're literally about a two or three minute walk from George Street, which is, it's, it's just wall to wall bars. So you take a whole group of people uh, overnighting on a boat and you put them downtown St. John's in bars and you can only imagine the antics that went on. So, so, so there were some wild and crazy times. And then of course, bright and early the next morning, the race started. So the race was from St. John's Harbor back to the yacht club. So, you know, it was a, it was an eight or a 10 hour day of, of racing. So it wasn't unusual to see, um, you know, the boats jockeying back and forth in the Harbor, getting ready for the race while there were, bottles of vodka and Clamato juice being passed around to make Caesars to get, to get the crew back up and functioning again for the race back home. So, <laughs> yeah, there, Sounds like a few, a few, a few slow there starts were some, there. I think, yes, the there were some day. slow starts and some, uh, some pretty wild and crazy stories came out of that for sure. So how did you then find your way to the squadron, Jeff? Well, eventually, um, uh, I was transferred to Halifax from for work. Um, I moved and I, I lived out in um, out in Bedford, um, and I had just come from Newfoundland and this all of this great sailing experience. So uh, you know I was missing it dearly. So I bought myself a little um, a little boat, which I raced out of Bedford for for a couple of years. Um, but then you know, as as is often the case, you know, life gets in the way and. Um, children are born and, you know, there are many priorities. So I, I got away from it for, for many years, for probably 15 years. I, I, I didn't sail at all. I was just had no access and, and, uh, no time to be honest with you. Um, but a, a friend of mine, uh, who was a member of the club at the time, he has since moved away. So he's not, he's not around anymore, but, uh, he, he introduced me to the club. So, you know, I came, I think we had, we had dinner one evening out on the patio and, and it was just such a beautiful place that I, you know, I immediately fell in love with the club. I thought it was, you know, and, 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 you know, most people will tell you if you sit out on the patio on a warm summer evening, um, there, there isn't, I don't think there's a better place to be in the city. Um, it's just so beautiful. So I fell in love with the, with the club immediately. And of course, um, you know, the, the yearn for sailing came back pretty quick, but, you know, when I first joined, um, the kids were relatively young, um, but the club, um, you know, provided many activities for them. So, you know, they took swimming lessons in the pool. Um, they did sailing lessons. Um, and at the time <laughs> they did tennis lessons actually, <laughs> um, so, you know, they were busy during the day and, and it was essentially like um, it was like our summer resort, our summer cottage. So, you know, we spent lots of time there with the kids and then would often stay 
stay over and and have a meal there that evening and the kids would run around and play so all in all it was it was just um it was a great experience and and i and i was hooked i was i knew i needed to be part of it and i wanted to be part of it and uh and then of course you know the the itch to sail um was was getting harder and harder to ignore <laughs> Well, we're, we're so happy that you were introduced to the club and that, you know, you and your family fell in love with it. Uh, you know, you paint a very colorful picture and I can just imagine, you know, the kids running around on the lawn and, and jumping in the pool and you mm-hmm. know, post-sale dinner on the patio. We had several of the, of the kids' birthday parties there, um, you know, and would invite some of their friends to come and swim and then, you know, have a little picnic and a cake and, you know, all of those, I think, were were very fond memories that I will and they will remember forever. Um, you know, it was a it was a place my kids are grown up now, but they they still talk about how much they loved it and how much they loved, um, you know, running around and climbing on the big rock. You know, <laughs> they loved that part. Um, so we have we have lots and lots of memories from the club. It was uh, it was it was a lovely place to be with kids and a lovely place to be around in general. And that was before, you know, all of those experiences were before before we started uh, sailing again. So that brought a whole added dimension to it. So Jeff, we've had lots of different people on the show who come from all different walks of life. And, and like you say, who are uh, social members and also sailing members. Uh, we've had racers and cruisers. So you're more aligned in the uh, cruising realm. So tell us a little bit about uh, what cruising does for you. Well, I, I think, um, you know, I, I got my, I, I had good racing experience and I certainly enjoyed it. And then um, before I moved to, to Nova Scotia, the the gentleman that I sailed with in Newfoundland, he he bought a a boat called a Corbin Thirty Nine, which is which is certainly a cruising boat, and it was um, he bought it just outside of Toronto. So we all went up there and we sailed the boat back to Newfoundland. So that was a very different experience than racing around you know the coast of Newfoundland. So, but but again, it was the 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 idea of of cruising and just moving and seeing different places and, you know, anchoring in coves or tying up at a marina and then moving on the next day. I mean, it was just fascinating to me and I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, the offshore part of it to get the boat back to Newfoundland was just a whole new experience, which I, which I really like. So that's kind of what, what lit the fire in me for, for cruising. So, you know, it's, it was clearly the direction I I was, I was heading. And I, I think, (laughs) you know, as I get older and a little creakier, the the racing got a little bit harder as well. So, um, you know, I, I bought a, I bought a boat particularly for cruising. It's a, it's a, a, an Endeavor 42, which I bought in, in um, Charleston, South Carolina. And I sailed it um, up the coast of the U S back to, back to Halifax. So, um, you know, that in, of, in and of itself was a, was a lovely cruising experience. And outside of that, um, you know, uh, some, of the, some of the places along the, the coast of Nova Scotia or the south coast of Newfoundland or, you know, going through the Bredore Lakes, you know, the, it's, it's such a beautiful place. It's such a beautiful country and uh, it's such great sailing. Um, that sort of experience 
of traveling and going to new spots and, you know, the overnighting on the boat and all of that is, is what to me builds into that whole experience of cruising. Yeah, I'm very much like you where uh, I've now developed my own passion for cruising through the squadron summer cruise with, with my family. Um, and it's, it's just, it, like you said, it's just, you know, anchoring in different spots, seeing different locations. Um, have you been able to kind of light that cruising flame for, for anyone else in your family, like your kids? <laughs> well, well, I've, I've certainly tried. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I think, you know, they all, they all like to sail. Um, you know, my son in particular is, has really taken to it. Um, you know, at their age, their perhaps attention span is a little shorter than mine. So they, they do tend to get a little more impatient, but um, I think it's something that they'll always do and always remember. And, and hopefully, you know, as they get older that they will be drawn back to as well. Um, you know, we've had some terrific experiences, you know, anchoring overnight and, and, you know, tying up in Lunenburg or, or, you know, going up the LaHave River and, and those sorts of things that, you know, we'll, we'll always remember for sure. Well, it's certainly a, a skill that I would love to have to be able to take a boat, you know, and go cruising, you know, wherever I fancied. And like you said, drop anchor in little coves and the whole mm -hmm. romance of that to me, um, you know, certainly resonates. Um, uh, and, and, and as I get older, <laughs> well, that's what happens. <laughs> it's called natural selection, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously Jeff you worked through um you know to date with your with your experience with that uh, with cruising and obviously with the, with the club and then moving into a board role so how did you how did you end up uh well I, I um you know despite the the time that I had spent at the club you know either either socially or or through sailing um I just didn't feel that I knew very many people you know, um, people come and go on their boats and, you know, you see them and recognize them, but you don't really know them. So I thought I, I need to find a way to get to know more people personally, but also to get um, a better idea of the operation of the club. Like, how does this thing function? Like, you know, uh, who keeps it afloat? Who keeps everything working? You know, it's obviously a big operation. And, and to be honest with you, you know, other than enjoying it, I didn't really understand too much about how it functions so i thought you know joining the board would be would be a good way to do that and to not only meet more people but but to get that understanding of how things operate and so that was the motivation for it um and uh you know through a, a previous vc of house and grounds uh who'd been a long-standing member he introduced me to it and and um yeah so i i joined the board as a member at large and um, you know, began that quest of learning about how things at the club operate. It's obviously been a fairly mm -hmm. turbulent time, Jeff, um, since I joined <laughs> with hurricanes and, and pandemics. I mean, none of us signed up for that. But I guess the history of the squadron tells us something, that there's always a, a challenge that the clubs had to, had to manage through. Yeah, um, I, I agree. History, so. I mean, you know, you never know. You never really know what you're getting yourself into. And I, you know, when I when I became um, the vice commodore house and grounds, um, you know, certainly none of those things were on my mind uh, that you would have to deal with. And, you know, like you say, you know, uh, 
standing in the clubhouse and watching, you know, waves going across the parking lot because the hurricane is coming through and the and the sea level is so high. It was not something I anticipated doing. Um, but you know, um, we we worked through those, and you know, the pandemic has been another one that um, I certainly have had no previous experience with, and I don't know that many have. But um, you know, it's it's one of those things you figure it out. You uh, you try to do the best you can for the club and keep keep things moving in the right direction. And uh, and we we always manage to work our way through these. And I think the long history of the club speaks to that. You know, it's it's been around a very long time and and has survived many many things. So and and I'm sure we're quite capable of doing it again. And House and Grounds is a, a portfolio, I guess, for want of a better term. You know, it's incredibly important to the, um, to the club. Well, it's, it's a, it, it is. I mean, and, and you know, there are, there's, a, there's a visible component to House and Grounds and there's an invisible component. So the visible is, um, you know, the, the food and beverage and, and the patio and the grounds and, you know, lawns and flowers and, and, and all of those things that are, that, that people could see and, and swimming pools and, you know, the, the visible. Um, but there's also the invisible, which is all of the, you know, the below ground infrastructure, if you will, that, that, that a, an organization of this size and buildings of these size need to operate. And it's, you know, it's pumps and plumbing and water filters and, you know, pool liners and change rooms and, you know, all of the, the things that, don't necessarily are not necessarily in people's view all the time, but are also a, a critical component of keeping everything operating. So that component of it has been fascinating to me as well in terms of how complex the organization is and how much how much infrastructure really exists to keep to keep things flowing and and to keep the club operating as it does. Has this role uh, changed your perspective on on the club? You know, to kind of see behind the curtain, you know, the mechanics. Oh, of I it? think one hundred percent. You know, when you when you when you're exposed to and you see all of the components that come together to make an organization of this size function and run and and hopefully run well, um, it it changes your view on things. You don't take you don't take anything for granted. I know, I know that when I first became a member and, you know, you're relatively oblivious to all of this, you, you know, you showed up and you, you know, you ordered a meal or a drink or, you know, you took the kids to the pool or, you know, I, I didn't give any thought to, you know, how does all this, how does all this happen? And, and there's certainly a lot, a lot to it. And, you know, you get that appreciation um, by, by being involved and, and certainly, um, in the role of vice commodore of house and grounds, I've, I've learned so much. Um, it's been, it's been fascinating for sure. So Jeff, that in, Endeavor 42 mm. that you mentioned that you purchased, um, was that in my, was well, that in my they, show? <laughs> I, there, there's, there's, uh, if, if you're of a certain age, you'll remember the, the, the television show Miami vice, um, where, uh, well, I am too. Michaela, I don't know. She probably doesn't remember, but um, yeah, no, no I think, right now, yeah, I, yeah. I, I sure? think I think Miami amazing. Vice came out in um, uh, it was in the eighties, like maybe eighty four, somewhere around there. Yeah, and yeah, and the the, yeah. the 
the star of the show was played by um, Don Johnston. And, you know, um, his character in the, in the, in the show was um, a detective by the name of um, Sonny Crockett was his name. And <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the, the, this is sounding yeah, so good. Like, and, I have to look but, at this. But Sonny show. Crockett was the coolest <laughs> man alive. Like, you know, he was, he was just so amazingly cool. Like he, you know, he started wearing t-shirts with Armani jackets and, you know, he single-handedly boosted the sales of Ray-Ban Wayfarer sunglasses, like by, you know, multiples. Um, everything he did was so cool. He had a, a permanent two-day beard growth that never got any longer or shorter. So, and it, and it actually, it actually generated <laughs> devices to be made to allow people to get that look, right? So, yeah, because as popular culture goes, it was, it was oh, it was, it was, it was huge. It was huge. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. Very yeah. I'm very sure, intrigued. I'm sure that, I'm sure the fashions now would look very different, but at the time he was very cool. Anyway, all of that to say that in the, in the show, Sonny Crockett lived on a boat and he lived on an Endeavor 42. However, buying an Endeavor 42 has not made me cool in any way, shape or form. None of it rubbed off on me. So, <laughs> I don't believe that for a minute. But I do tell the story whenever I can. <laughs> you must well, own Ray-Bans, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, my homework assignment, Jeff, is to get you in a like a three day. Yes, and a white and, white um, suit. Yes, a t shirt, yeah. Armani suit. Yeah, yeah. Let the let the locks grow out a little bit, and then um, yeah, we're going to have I trouble with the locks. I tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> you and Was me it both. hard not to name the boat? Well, after the the, the, the um, yeah, I don't think I would have gotten away with that. That would have been. Um, I, I think the in the show his boat was named. Um, Saint Saint Vitus dance or something like that, which I'm not sure what that what that meant. But anyway, that that's as that's as close as I got it to being cool. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're very cool in our books, <laughs> Jeff. Jeff, you're a VC of House and Grounds at the Squadron. Get any cooler like, than that? You're much right. cooler than that. <laughs> no. And you're on doors, the podcast. Doors. Like yep. you've made it. Yeah, you've absolutely. Made yeah, it. so doors I'll tell my kids out. I'm on a podcast, and they'll they will either go. That, Oh my God, Dad, that's so cool! Or they'll roll their eyes and go, oh, "You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> well, there tell them go. it's on there you Spotify. Go. This is looking up all the time. Yeah, hardly. <laughs> it is, and um, yeah. Before we wrap up, for those who may not have caught the latest uh, eblast, do you want to talk about uh, the new launch for Gently to yeah. Go? Yeah. So. You know, if I go back a couple of weeks um, or a couple of months even, um, you know, we, there was a lot of uncertainty about where we were headed and what we would and wouldn't be able to do. And, you know, there were times when I thought, you know, we're not even going to be functioning this summer. But, you know, as time has gone by and, and the news uh, gets a little more positive, things are things are looking up for, for sure. So, um, yeah, just this week we've launched, um, um, you know, basically takeout service, Galley to Go. Um, so you can order from the menu uh, by phone or by text, and um, you know, pick that pick up your order when it's ready uh, outside the sailors bar. So 
um, you know, it's, it's the first step back to some sort of normalcy. Um, and, and again, with the, you know, with the latest news coming out of the province that, um, you know, restaurants are allowed to open as of uh, June 5th, uh, you know, that's another leap forward. So lots of details to be worked out on that piece. But, um, you know, things are looking very positive and we're moving in a great direction. And I don't anticipate and I don't think anybody does that it's going to be 100% back to normal. Um, but it's a lot better than where it looked a couple of months ago. That's for sure. No, I can certainly remember the phone call or the conversation that we had when we had to mm-hmm. close the clubhouse. That was um, that was that was a pretty heavy decision, but it was necessary at the time, and and we would have had a hand forced the next day if we hadn't have done that. But you know, certainly now, um, you know, with this service running, I think it's um, I think it's something that we're going to obviously maintain and sustain even after we open dining. Um, you know, I can see that kind of takeout food people again using the cruising analogy you know, eating and drinking on board their boats and enjoying yeah, time with their family. And yeah, I, I think um, I, I have a feeling that the uptake uh, will be very good. Um, you know, and, and like you say, that, that idea of getting some food and, and bringing it down to the boat, um, certainly in, in, in these times, and I think just generally makes a lot of sense. And I think people will enjoy it and, and take advantage of it. So I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's, I think it's great. I'll have to come up with a with a jingle for the phone <laughs> number. But uh, well, for anyone who's listening, <laughs> listening well, live. <laughs> well, I, I, know, I know I'm not the star of the show here, but I, I, a funny story. So I was walking up to the clubhouse on the Wednesday when we opened, and at 5 to 12, the phone that I was bringing to the clubhouse to use for, for Gally to go was ringing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, gee, there's someone's calling. So I answered it, and it was uh, Eric Richards, um, member at large, Eric Richards. And I answered the phone. I said, "Galley to go." Scott speaking, and, and then and it was Eric. So I said, "Well, he was obviously number one." And um, Nick Chup was number two. And we had twenty twenty eight customers, I think, on oh, our that, first day. That's excellent. So that's excellent. And Eric told me he was going to be customer number one. By the way, <laughs> well, he he was. He oh, did. he did yeah. it. Yeah, good Called for him. Shot and nailed it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. That's a great start. Should I read out the number? <laughs> Well, thank you, Jeff. It's been yeah. a pleasure having you on the show. We've really enjoyed uh, talking with you and learning a bit more about yourself. Um, you know, thank you for everything that you've done for the club um, in your role. Um, and we look forward to sort of managing through um, the second half of this year, um, you know, towards a, a Well, you know, a uh, it's been outcome. a pleasure to being here. Thank you for having me. Um, and I'm really hoping that the second half of this year is much calmer than the first half. <laughs> Uneventful would be good. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks so much, Jeff. Okay. And that's our show for today. Next week, we sit down with Vice Commodore of Sail Training, Jane Gillis. Jane grew up sailing in the Bredor Lakes and even hitched his crew during her university days in Halifax. She has also shared her passion for sailing with her children, who are enrolled in the squadrons program at a competitive level. Plus, we'll talk sail training's focus on creating grassroots programs that build a love for the water. Stay tuned. The Squadron's new Galley to Go menu makes it quick and easy to order takeaway service by call or text. The number to dial or to text is 902-943-7933. Just give your full name, your member number, your order, and the time of pickup. Members are to pick up orders from the Sailor's Bar entrance. <laughs>